First Samuel chapter 8, if you join me there, First Samuel chapter 8. And as you're standing and finding your place, this word, of course, we've got weather going on around us. It's Oklahoma. It's October. We're used to it in May, a little bit more, but uh, it happens every now and then in October, too. Just a changing of the seasons. It's a little dicey. So if the power goes out, we keep preaching. All agreed? All right. If the power goes out, we keep preaching. But the Jew told me, he said, now, if the power goes out, we've got an emergency supply that lasts 10 minutes. So I've got to land the sermon in 10 minutes. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he's telling me. I don't know if he's like trying to get us out earlier. I don't know. I don't know. So, oh, come on. It's been a long time for the Jew. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. That's for sure. Mercy. I'm always amazed how quick he can do that. I'm going to quit saying anything else before he does something else. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. You've been so good, Jude. You've been so good. All right. All right. Um, let's look at the text here. Uh, our series is When a Nation Needs Revival. Would you agree our nation's in desperate need of revival? I mean, it's just evident on every hand just how desperately our nation needs a revival. And, and, and again, you know, just the, the title of the song says it all. The heart of the problem is the, the problem of the heart. It's not an educational problem. It's not necessarily a governmental problem. It's a heart problem. And that's why we need revival. And so um, I think we ought to do this. Let's, let's start in verse 1, and, and I'll do my best just to keep reading, and then we can read the chapter here. And I think it will help us. If you'll stay real close attention, pay real close attention to this, uh, it'll help us to see what's going on. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways. Everybody see that? Walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre or money and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. It wasn't like they were really concerned about his sons. It really was just kind of a cover for what they really wanted. But the thing displeased Samuel, verse 6 says, when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, Samuel, but they have rejected me, watch this, that I should not, what, reign over them. Literally, it's this, they've rejected me that I shouldn't be their king. They don't want me to be their king. They don't want me to rule in their life. According to all the works which they have done, since the day which I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice. In other words, let them have what they want. Howbeit, yet, no, notice this, it's interesting. Let them have what they want, but make sure they understand what they are getting. Protest solemnly unto them, strongly. The idea is give them a strong warning. And show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And now we're going to read about that. Verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. 
And he said, this shall be the manner. These are the policies. This is the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He shall take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground. In other words, to uh, plow and plant because obviously soldiers have to eat, right? So they've got to, you got to have people that are going to, that are going to farm and, and for the, for the army themselves and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and his instruments of his chariots. And he will take. Notice how many different times it says take right here. He will take, he will take. In fact, I thought about calling the sermon, take, 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 take. If that's six takes, because there's six takes right here. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed. That literally is he'll take a tithe. Maybe they hadn't been tithing. God has a way of getting tithe. If you haven't been tithing, he says he'll take your tithe. In other words, taxes, <laughs> high taxes, and your vineyards even, and give to his officers and to his servants. In other words, they're going to lose their free enterprise. It's what they want. So they think. What verse are we on, 15. You know, take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he'll take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and, he'll, and ye shall be his servants and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. You know what it sounds like? They'll be back to being pretty much slaves, just like when they came out of Egypt. Well, they always wanted to go back to Egypt. Nevertheless, verse 19, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They basically said this, yeah, that's exactly what we want right there. That sounds great. Can you believe that? To obey the voice of Samuel. And he said, nay, but we will have us a have a king over us that we may be like all the nations. And then our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice. In other words, he's saying, Samuel, since they won't listen to my voice, you listen to their voice. And you're going to live your life either listening to God's voice or listening to your own voice, by the way. Make them a king. Give them what they want, Samuel. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into his city. Here's the title of the message here tonight. The cost, and I hope everybody will listen to it from the very beginning. The cost of conformity. The cost, the cost. There's a price to pay. The cost of conformity. I want to be like everybody else. We want to be like all the other nations. There's a cost of conformity. The nation that insisted on losing everything. It's mind-boggling. The nation that insisted on losing everything. The cost of conformity. I, this is a preventative message. This is a preventative message. 
But it's only a preventative message if you take it. This is a preventative message. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. I believe it's just a basic rule of life that before you get into something, it's best to know what you're getting into, right? Whether that's a car deal or buying a house or joining a church. I, I, I mean, this is just getting married. As best you can, you need to know what you're getting into. Um, <laughs> I mean, you say, I didn't have a clue, and I, I understand that, right? But you need to know what you're getting into. And regardless of what it is, you need to understand this, that there's a cost to it. There's a cost to it. Uh, The Lord emphasized this. I look back in the New Testament in Luke 14, and the Lord had some that were going to be his disciples. If you remember this, they were wanting to follow Jesus. And and, and the um, the the Lord gave them cause to to pause and to really count the cost. Do you remember that? He said, a man doesn't build a tower without sitting down and estimating, can he cover the cost of this tower? Otherwise, you know, 20 years later, he's still building that and it's embarrassing that he hasn't finished it yet because he didn't count the cost. If a general or if a military leader or a president or a king is going to lead his country into war, he ought to count the cost. If he's going to take military out of a country, he ought to count ahead of time. Think about it before that's done. Um, The Lord gave that example. So it's best to know what you're getting into. And I realize, I mean, there's no way that you can uh, know everything ahead of time. You know, I do a lot of premarital counseling. I like to do that. Uh, and, And I'm thankful that those that have been able to do premarital counseling. I, I don't know the record, but, but it's, it's, I'm thankful that it's favorable, but there are some that, that it hasn't turned out great. But um, sometimes I say to those doing premarital counseling, I wish there was a way that we could pull a screen down here and say, okay, in five years, you're going to face this. And in 10 years, you're going to face this. And in 15 years, you're going to face that. And, and then in 20 years and 25 years and 50 years, you're going to face this. And some might walk out of the office and say, you know, I just don't think that we ought to get married. It might be what, has some happen, what happens to perhaps some. But there's really no way you can do that. I, I get that. I understand that, that, that you're not, you're not going to know all the circumstances of your life. But there are some things that you can, you can surmise from God's Word how that's going to go. You really can. You can figure out how that's going to go. Um, okay, back to that. It's best to know what you're getting into before you start a new job. It's best to know what you're getting into before you start your own business. You probably ought to do some research on the area and, and figure out, is this a viable business for this area? What's it going to cost in terms of startup? How many employees are we going to need? What kind of square footage of a building are we going to need? And all those things, you just need to know what you're getting into before you get into it. Or even a hobby. I mean, something just as simply as something that you want to get into. You, you really need to know uh, what you're getting into as best you can. Now, I, several years ago, as you know, maybe I got into running and, and I, I didn't realize just how important it is to buy the right kind of shoes. I mean, just go ahead and spend the money on the shoes. Just can I help anybody that wants to run? Just spend the money on them and, and it'll help you because it makes a huge difference what's on your feet. You got to know what's, what, what you're getting into. And then some hobbies, you don't know how much it's going to cost until you start to get into it. Can I get a witness right there? 
In other words, every choice you make is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. And I'm, I'm talking about good and bad decisions alike. It's going to cost you something to be a missionary. We just heard a missionary give a testimony. He said, you know, uh, there's been challenges there. We've been on a 40-year adventure there. That's awesome, Brother Tom. I love it. But, but I also know there's been some tough times, and I, and I love it. Hey, I'm just saying it's going to cost you something. Either way, it's going to cost you something. There are some adventures that have a, uh, they require, a, require you to sign a waiver. That right there ought to tell you. You ought to take heed. Something like skydiving or bungee jumping or bull riding. I mean, if they're asking you to sign that they're not responsible if you die, that'll all cause you to stop and think about it, right? <laughs> Thrill rides, Brother Tom mentioned roller coasters. I also like roller coasters. I, I'm with you, Brother Tom. I'm getting to the place where I used to like them a lot more than I do now. But in fact, we just had family vacation and, and uh, went on some roller coasters. The Titan is, is really a a fast roller coaster. In fact, it's so fast. I don't know if you know this down in Texas, but, but it was going so fast that people were blacking out on it. So there's a certain point at the, on that ride where they actually, you nearly stop on that ride and then it starts again because people were blacking out. Anyways, that's just a little fact. But I noticed posted on there, it said, uh, caution, don't ride this if you have heart conditions. If you have this condition, if you have that condition, if you have that condition, that condition, that condition. If you have this, if you have that, don't ride this. There's a big old, there's a big old sign there that says, warning, you might not want to ride this. I told Trevor, don't read that. <laughs> don't read that. Don't read that. Let's just get on. I paid for it later. Mercy. Something's still loose up in here. Some of you say, it's been loose a long time. No. The strong warning. 1 Samuel 8 is like that big sign in this God using Samuel to say, wait a minute, you need to know what you're about to get into here. And we're not talking about a thrill rod. We're not talking about something that requires you signing a waiver. We're not talking about a job. We're not talking about a hobby. We're not talking about a, a new house. We're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about life. And, and he's saying, listen, you need, okay, you want a king? Do you, do you really want that kind of a king? Then you need to know, you need to know ahead of time what you're getting into. You need to know what that decision is going to lead to. You need to know just exactly what it's going to cost you. You need to understand if you really want to be like all the other nations, then you need to know up front. I just want to be very clear with you. I want you, I want you to understand what you're about to get into. I, I want you to understand that there is a price to pay. There's a price to pay for rejecting God's rule in your life. I want you to understand that, that there's a price to pay. And everybody here needs to know that. Is everybody awake? Everybody's awake, all right? Nobody, nobody's asleep here because you need to know if you just want to reject God here, then you need, to, you need to understand this and you don't want God to rule your life anymore, then you just need to know right now, tonight, that there is a price to pay for rejecting God's rule in your life. And listen, they used to listen to the preaching of Samuel. They loved the, the preaching of, of, of Brother Samuel as he would, would stand there and thunder and he would, he would go in a circuit and preach around. And, and I would imagine that he had little kids that came up to him, I don't know, out, not in the foyer, but out wherever he preached. And, and they had drawn pictures on something showing Samuel when he was preaching. I mean, there was a time when, when they loved to hear Samuel preaching, but, but over time they kind of got weary of his words. And the Bible says that none of his words fell to the ground. In other words, what he said was very true because it was God's word and they could count on it, but they got to a place where they said, I know what you're saying, Samuel, but we want what we want. 
Can I ask you tonight with love, do you really want to be like the world that is rejecting God? You need to know there's a price to pay. Some young person here tonight, some child might say, I wish I had a phone like all the other kids have. I wish I could check out TikTok like all the other kids do. I wish I could slap my teacher and somebody catch it on video so I could put it on TikTok. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's the challenge this month on TikTok in public schools or whatever schools, I guess. Slap your teacher, catch it on video, put it on TikTok. That's, that is, and I, the other challenges that are coming up, I looked at a list of them. It's wicked. Man, I wish I could be on social media like all the other young people are. Really? Why do we have to dress like this? Good night. Nobody dresses like this anymore except the Amish. Uh, all I want is a good paying job. I know I have to sell stuff that God doesn't like. I know I'm selling stuff that makes people high. I know I'm selling stuff that makes people drunk, but I, I just want a good paying job. Yeah, I know that it's going to take me out of church, but it's not going to hurt me any. Hey, you need to know, I'm, I'm standing at the placard here. I'm standing at the poster. I'm saying whatever it is. I'm standing at the sign right here. And I'm saying, listen, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this to your family. Well, it's going to take me away from my family. And I, I mean, we used to be real close and everything. And I have a lot of time together. But it's just for a little while. It's not going to be a long time. It's just till we get this paid off. Hey, wait a minute. Would you just stop and think about this just a moment? Hey, is that desire born out of you wanting to do God's will? Or is it really you just wanting to do your will, friend? Because you need to know that there is a price to pay. And you can go ahead and do that. You can go ahead and do it. But you need to know that there is a price to pay for living your life outside the rule of God. Well, we just want this kind of house. And I realize it puts us in over our head. And we probably won't be able to give that much to faith promise missions. And we won't be able maybe even to tithe a few times. But listen, this is just kind of the house that we want to live in for a little while. Hey, wait a minute. Well, have you made that decision because you've sought the mind of God about it? I wish we had a, a more contemporary church where things were a little bit more lively. We haven't had a dead service here, by the way, tonight. I wish we had a contemporary church where I didn't have to go to church on Sunday nights so I could have more family time. And where the pastor understands my need for family time. Yeah, while well, he's got his feet propped up because he's lazy and don't want to preach on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And it's a lot easier just to preach one sermon a week. Hey, do you realize how easy it'd be just to preach one sermon a week? Just one sermon a week? I mean, my flesh says, man, that'd be pretty nice because I can make it really fresh and, and, and just electric and all those things. Just one sermon a week, good night. That'd be like a Presbyterian job. I mean, just easy. Just, just kind of cakewalk there. I could, I could just show up once a week and be done and watch football on Sunday night. But beloved, listen, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And every single week we need to be confronted with the fact that all that has to happen for you to make a big old mess of your life is for God just to let you have your own way. 
And even though they say they want to give more family time, it's not really that because they're all behind screens. They're not spending time with one another. No, no, no. It's just the guys for what they really want. They just want to be like everybody else. That's it. But there's a price to pay for that. There's a price to pay because then, because then the church becomes sick and anemic. Hey, listen, I'm not telling you something that I haven't seen and experienced along the way and observed and tried to pay attention to, whether it's a church or a college, but because when you start saying, we want to be like all the other churches, we want to be like all the other families, we want to be like all the other people, then I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time until you're like all the other people out of God's will. You better be careful about what you're delighting in because that'll determine your desires. Samuel, you're old. You're just old. Deal with it. And your sons, they won't be good leaders. We thought about this and we think we need a king. In fact, maybe they even said, you know, we think it's God's will for us to have a king. I can't prove that. In fact, I don't think it even was said. But sometimes I do know this. God's people can act spiritual about carnal decisions. Hey, can, can I help everybody here tonight? I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm just, I'm mad at sin. And, and, but I, I, I'm concerned when people who ought to know better are playing that, well, I prayed about it card. Like that just magically makes it God's will. I believe there's some things in the text that'll help us here because what, what they were doing is they were looking around and saying, well, I want to be like all the other nations. I, they've got kings, they've got queens, they've got palaces, they've got pomp and circumstance, they've got robes, they've got regality, they, they've got uh, uh, crowns of gold and royal scepters and they've got a real cool chariot. We'd like to have a king with a chariot. Wouldn't that be awesome? With an emblem on the front. Fast. Lots of horsepower. Like two, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Two horses and a pony. I'm not sure, but there they go. Man, we want a king that'll lead us into battle. We, we don't want Samuel anymore because all he does is just preach and holler and slobber and get red in the face about how wicked we are. All we've got right now is just God. We want more than that. Can I tell you another thing? Be careful about making decisions when you're dissatisfied with God. I don't believe they spent time in praying about this. I don't think they really sought the word of God about this because really it wasn't even a problem that they, that they would have a king because God would make provision for them to have a king. The problem was the timing. In other words, it wasn't, a, it wasn't that God prompted them about this. It's that their own heart prompted them about this as they looked around at all the other nations and they just simply wanted to fit in with everybody else. And that was the wrong motive. And Samuel was heartbroken. I thought about this. I, I, I think this could help. If you're making a godly decision, it ought to cause those that are spiritual leaders in your life to rejoice. That's a good checkpoint right there. That's a good checkpoint. If you're everybody listen to this. If you're making a good decision right here, a solid decision, then it ought to make your pastor, let me just, and I'm trying to be self-serving. Please don't think that. 
But, but whether it's your pastor or your Sunday school teacher or whether it's your parents or, or some godly people, it, it ought to cause them to say, man, I, that is wonderful. I'm so glad for you about that. Okay, uh, a few years ago, John Landy, Brother John Landy, we went to eat, and, and he said, Pastor, I believe God's calling us to Sri Lanka. Man, I'm telling you, I didn't want to see him go, but I rejoiced with him in that because I knew God was leading there. But I can't always say that. I think that's a good checkpoint. I realize a spiritual leader could be off, but why not use that as a gauge? To see, if I made an appointment with my pastor to go and talk to him about this decision about going to a different church or, or, or going and, and taking this job or whatever, but if you don't want to make an appointment with the pastor, I wonder what that says. Maybe you're trying to make this decision on your own. And was that born out of a desire to please God? And all, I, all I'm trying to get across tonight is that is simply this. And, and, and by the way, God had to help Samuel to see, Samuel, listen, it's not you. They're not rejecting you. And, and those of you that maybe have a son or a daughter that's gone wayward or, or, or those of you that have family members that way or people that you know that used to be in this church and now they're not in this church. And, and maybe you think, man, they, they're rejecting us. Not, not really. The heart of it is they're rejecting God. And Samuel was sent by God to solemnly protest, to seriously deal with them. And, and, and he said, listen, if you're really going to do this, you need to know what it's going to cost. There are givers and takers in this world. Givers and takers. And I want to caution everybody here about that. Lest you should give your life to a taker. Does that make sense to anybody? Don't give your life to a taker. I'll explain what I mean by that as we move along here. But God told Samuel, Samuel, tell him that when you want a king, it doesn't just require one man in his family. You need to understand he's going to need personnel around him. So here's what he's going to do. Listen, he's going to take your sons. You see, your decisions have an impact not just on you, but on your family. He'll take your sons. They were living in an agrarian society and they were farming together and they had a lot of time together and now their sons are going to be gone. Your sons will, some of them will be his honor guard, his personal protection. Some of them will deal with his horses and his chariots. Some will be a strike force that will go ahead like special forces. There'll be a strike force that'll go ahead. Some of them will be officers, captains of thousands, captains of, captains of hundreds, captains of fifties. Some of them will be tilling the land, working the land. Some of them will, will work with weapons and make weapons. And then he'll take your daughters. He'll take your daughters and make them confectionaries, which means those that work with perfume or ointment makers. And he'll put them into his areas, his kitchens and such to make them cooks and bakers. He'll take your property because he's got to have a lot of land to sustain his bureaucracy. He's going to take your very best. Do you understand that? 
He's going to take your very best. He's going to take your fields and your vineyards and your olive plants. And he's going to take your sheep. And he's, he's going to take a tithe of everything. He's going to take away from what ought to be devoted to God. What, why I said what ought to be devoted to God is going to come his way. You just need to understand that. Can I say to you this, that, that when you reject the rule of God in your life, time that ought to be to spend and serving the Lord is spent serving someone or something else. In your pursuits. He's going to take, 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 and finally you'll say, God, please help us. You'll cry out because you got what you wanted at a time when you were not delighting in the Lord. And you'll find out it's not what you needed. They refused to obey Samuel. I believe there was a time when they appreciated his stand, but now they felt like Samuel was standing in their way. They were insisting on having their own way, and by doing so, they insisted on losing everything. They had the truth, but they didn't want to listen to it. Can I say to you tonight, there's a difference between having the truth and loving the truth? You can have the truth. And I believe I'm, pe I'm preaching primarily to people that have been, been even raised in church. And, and, and you know the Bible in many ways. You have the truth, but I'm asking you tonight, do you love the truth? Because there's a difference between having it and loving it. They heard God's wisdom, but they wanted to live according to their own. They heard his warning, but they chose to dismiss it. They had God's instruction, but they were not teachable. They were insistent. They were resistant to any opinion except their own. And they thought it would bring relief. And they thought it would bring peace. And they thought it would bring pleasure to be like all the other kingdoms. But it only brought oppression. Because this king, this King Saul, would leave them wide open to the invasion of the Philistines in chapter 23. And in chapter 22, he would kill his own people, their own king. I'm telling you, when you get out from under God's rule, things don't go the way you think they will. Why? Because there's a steep price to pay when you're out of God's rule. For rejecting God's rule. A cost, the cost of conformity. We just want to be like all the other people. There's a cost of conformity. It'll cost you your effectiveness. I believe there's people who have had and have incredible potential, but they won't let God rule their life. It'll cost you. You are designed to be his people, unique. Why do you want to fit in with the world? It'll cost you your testimony. It'll cost you your peace at night. It'll cost you relationships. Your kids will pay a price for your rejection of God's rule in your life. I said, your kids will pay a price. You say, I ain't got kids. 
Someday you'll have kids, and if you keep rejecting God's rule in your life, you'll, your kids will pay a price for you rejecting God's rule in their life. There are people that have gotten out of church that are now raising kids out of church, and their kids, if they don't hear the gospel, they'll die and go to hell. You say, that's rather stern. This is a solemn protest. I'm protesting. I'm protesting on the Word of God about not rejecting God's rule in your life and helping everybody understand here's what it's going to cost you. God will give you some strong warnings if you listen to it. Don't marry that person. I wonder how many have disregarded that warning because they wanted what they wanted. Don't get involved sexually before you're married. Don't get involved sexually outside of your marriage. It'll cost you. Everybody listening? It'll cost you. Don't take alcohol into your body. It'll cost you. It'll cost you. It'll cost others. There's harm in taking a job that takes you away from God and your family. It'll cost you. There's harm in skipping church. I said there's harm in it. There's danger in it. There's peril in it. Oh, it's not going to hurt just missing one service. Can anybody here testify that, no, that's not true because I've done it. And once you do it one time, it sure is easy to do another time. There's peril in letting your kids have their own way. There's a problem that comes when you just simply neglect your own Bible reading. Let me ask you this. We all doing okay? That wasn't what I was going to ask you, but let me ask you this. If you get your way of life from that which is self-destructive, how is it going to help your life? If you get your life, your way of life, from that which is self-destructive, how's it going to help your life? Preventative messages are only good if they are heated. I looked through a church directory here just a few moments ago, and I was both encouraged and saddened. I was encouraged largely. To be honest with you, I was very encouraged because many of the people that are in that directory from 40 years ago, no, not that long ago, We've had such a time with the directory. This one's, I don't know what year it is anyways. But many of the people that are in that directory are in here tonight because they're trying to live their life under God's rule and they're still here. Still serving the Lord and God's kept them safe from a lot of things. But I turned the pages and I saw family after family and individual after individual. And I generated a list of these results. Are you listening? Family turmoil. Separation and or divorce. People that are out of church, sexual sin, children born outside of marriage. Loss of jobs and poor, from poor character, financial crisis that has followed. Alcohol addiction, loss of testimony, hurt feelings, and that's a short list. Do you want that? 
You say, well, that never happened to me. How's your heart towards God when he's trying to warn you about things? How's your heart towards God when he's trying to warn you about things? Maybe you feel like, well, it just seems like it gets on petty things. Like what? Modesty? Like modesty is petty? No, modesty is not a petty issue. It's a very important issue in our day and time. And you say, well, I just want to fit in with everybody else around us. And listen, friend, listen, there, there's such promiscuity in our culture. Such immodesty, both men and women alike. I, I, I implore every person here tonight, adult and teen and children alike, to, to honor God in your life and, and really do this. Respect yourself enough. Respect yourself enough and respect that God's going to work in your life and you don't have to show everything. And wear it tight and high and low to get what you want. But it's astounding to me that, that even in church there, there are men and ladies at times that are wearing very immodest clothing. Was that born out of your walk with God because you really wanted to do what He's wanting you to do? Or were you saying, you know, this is what girls are wearing nowadays. This is what women are wearing nowadays. And I realize how difficult it is to shop. At least I hear about how difficult it is to shop. I know you got to bang a bunch of hangers together and, and go through and find something that'll fit. But listen, it's worth the effort. You say, well, well, it won't hurt that bad. Listen, that's, that's the way that the world thinks. It's not a big deal, they say, but it starts somewhere, friend. Meeting up with somebody that's not your spouse secretly, that's going nowhere good. And saying things online that you ought not, chatting and, and, and doing things online that you ought not, that's no good. It'll do you no good. It'll do you harm. It'll mess your life up. You, and don't dismiss this message here tonight and say, well, he's just going through what he always goes through to warn about this and warn about that. He'll probably mention music at some point and movies and, and about getting out of church and reading your Bible and, and having a heart for God and all those things. And it's just like it's the same old, same old. Yeah, because we got a heart that's wicked that wants the same old things over and over again. I'm solemnly protesting to you lest you should end up with a broken home. And a broken life and a lost testimony. And if you at any time say that'll never happen to me, you're in danger. Take heed, lest you fall. Samuel was brokenhearted. Don't break somebody's heart. Because ultimately it was God that was heartbroken over his people. And he said, Samuel, you've dealt with them now the last 40. I've had 400 plus years of this. There are people that want their own way. And every single time it ends up like this. And we will not be the first generation to somehow work around those consequences. You won't. You need to understand that there is a high price to pay for rejecting God's rule in your life. Let's stand together here tonight. Here's the solution tonight. Love God with all of your heart. 
serve him with all of your life. Let the Lord rule every single area of your life. Can I add this to the message while we're preparing for the invitation, the cost of conformity? You'll determine which conformity you want to pay. Because the word of God says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God warned us about that. But also Romans 8, 29 talks about how that though God's plan is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. Either way, there's a price to pay for conformity. But the end results are drastically different. Father, tonight I pray earnestly that you'd use this preventative message to call some to take heed to what they're doing. Dear Lord, and if there's some area of life where there's conformity to the world rather than to your biblical way of life, then I pray that there'd be the humility to come to a place of repentance. And I pray, dear God, that where there's a battle in the heart, that there's a desire to try to fit in around with others, whether it's adults or young people, God, that there would be that Holy Spirit resistance to follow your will for their life, Lord, rather than their own. God, to take heed to this strong warning from your word. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing tonight, page 481, search me, O God, as we sing, would you come and join these that have come tonight?